Hey, hey, this is Jason Cass with Agency Intelligence Podcast. Um, here today, um, this is actually normally this would be an agent's influence podcast, Conversations with Jason Cass. Uh, for loyal listeners, you know that I have two separate podcasts. I'm bringing Mr. Chris Baranin, who you guys have had before, who literally in the last 12 months is the number one most downloaded podcast in the last 12 months. Um, and he really, a lot of people know him. They know his, uh, a lot of people didn't know him and now are following him who are thinking, holy cow, why did I never know about this guy? All of the COVID special episodes have all been with current agency owners or somebody who's working in an agency, hence agency intelligence. But this all directly has to do with agencies. This has to do with directly. We're not, we're going to talk about the industry. We're going to talk about a lot of things, but we want to dive straight into no outro, no intro, no ads. I reached out to Chris. He usually takes a while to book, but I said, Chris, we need to do this now. He hopped on, said, Cast, anything I can do for the industry. So I want to, I want to put it together and I'll put your hands together. Please, if you stand and you clap, don't throw money. This is all over the audio. Chris Baran, thanks. Thanks for taking your time to come with us. Oh, Jason, thank you very much for having me this morning. Wild and crazy times, right, Chris? <laughs> this is, you know, this is my fifth massive insurance disruption in my career. Each one's been different, but each one's been quite similar in different ways. So it's an interesting time for sure. Do you have those in your head? I mean, Joe, can you rattle those off? What would you say would be those five if this was your fifth? What was the other four? So the first one was when I came into the industry, there literally was no liability insurance available for any price for certain kinds of businesses. Wow. And uh, that, was, that, was a, that was a horrible time, um, just horrible. Uh, then obviously we had 911, which was interesting and long going. Then we had uh, Katrina, then we had 911, I mean, uh, the credit crisis, and now we have this. Gotcha. And you said that a lot of those, you know, have been very unique in their own ways, like a pandemic versus a financial crisis, right? Nice night and day, but very similar, but night and day. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, what are, what are some of those similarities you're, that you're seeing uh, between those five? In each case, customers care about coverages for about the next two years. Coverages trump wow. price for about 24 months. Um, okay. And next part is agencies with strong balance sheets always come out on top. And agencies that are proactive and really, truly caring for their customers and working with them in a, in a real proactive, constructive manner, they really sit in the catbird seat for about, about those 24 months. And then everything gets back to normal and price becomes much more important again. Wow. Interesting. I have never heard anybody put it in the time frame of 24 months. That's, um, that's interesting. Let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into that real for, for a second, Chris, if that's new to me, I know that's new to a lot of people, but not everybody, but who is, what, 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 what makes that 24 months? What's that? Is that just what you've seen from the prior four times? Yeah. Just what I've, I've seen it's about a 24 month period. That is interesting, that psychological reason of why that does, why society does that. I mean, it's just, I, I mean, do they do that in other things, right? Is it just their insurance or is this their buying consumer habits overall? Right. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just yeah. curious about that. That is an interesting yeah. concept. Something you talked about in, in December of last year, 
very heavily. You write about it a lot, Chris. Is that in the time of, at the time you talk about maybe a financial or something disrupting the market over the next 12 to 24 to 36 months, as I have heard a couple other smart people say, that those who have balance sheets will be sitting pretty. And I talked about this, I believe, in number episode one, two, or three, something around there. And I brought up you and that conversation that we had. And I'm hoping understand, because I don't think a lot of agents understand that a P&L profitable doesn't necessarily mean that you're building a great balance sheet. And balance sheet is where your wealth is. Am I saying that right? Yeah, balance sheet's where your wealth is. Um, Anytime there's a disruption, it's how much working capital do you have? The more working capital you have, the safer you are. The ability to take advantage of the opportunities presented in a downturn. Yes. Um, you know, balance sheet is what it's all about. I'm not a stock guy, Chris. I'm not, that's not me. I'm not a, hey, in and out. I have my little investments with my, with my people. They, they take care of it, help me. I know what my plan is, but they deal with that. I went and got that Robinhood app and I dropped about $2,500 into that thing. You can see how people who have liquid cash right now are able to put money into something like the stock market where everything is 60 to 70% off. You know, that is just by having that capital, that solid balance sheet enables them outside the industry to be able to capitalize where other people just can't because they're frantically looking um, or they're frantically trying to pay bills or trying to stay afloat. Um, and I know we're at a point in time, loyal listeners, that we just can't all of a sudden say, oh, well, hey, I'm going to start doing what Chris says and I'm going to have a great balance sheet. You need to start doing that. And I understand that's not going to help you tomorrow or next week, but it's important to start to listen to what Chris is saying and those commonalities between this, which I think is really good. Number three, you said, was the fact that uh, those who concentrate on their uh, customers, those who, I was taking notes here, proactive agents are sitting in the catbird seat is what you said. Um, and uh, give me give me a realm. What I, I think we know what that looks like, but what does that proactive agent sitting in the catbird seat look like to you? What are they doing, Chris? They're reaching out to the clients, asking them about what their concerns are. They are not walking away from discussions about what the appropriate coverages are. I love that. Not walking away from those conversations about what appropriate coverages are. That's good stuff right there. That's good stuff. Um, let me see. That's about six minutes. That's, that's good stuff. I got I to gotta make a time note of that one because I don't got time to, to keep it. So, Chris, now, what are some of the things I think, truthfully, I hate talk. This is a weird subject to talk about when I ask this question of how people will come out better on the other end. Because we're taking, we're putting our situation into a scenario that is like a wartime effort. I mean, it really truly is. There's people dying on the front lines. Uh, I think there was like 1,500 people that were admitted to the hospitals yesterday, you know, and they're expecting like almost 2,000 today. There's people that are dying, and I, I want to make no small bones about that, but that we, we, we deal with a lot of that in our life. And the point of this special episode is to take us away from that for 20 or 30 minutes so that you can we can be leaders helping leaders lead their people. So let me go back. I just I should always throw that out, Chris. I, it, this is but but Chris, on the other side of business, where do you see agents 
coming out ahead? What? Let me say, no, 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 not so much coming out ahead. Where is the difference? Is there a new norm? Will we go back to the norm or is there a new norm? And what are your thoughts on what that might look like? Thoughts on that? It's going to be a pretty interesting situation um, because at the heart of this, from a, not from a life and death perspective, which again, all due respect to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, is this is an insurance coverage problem for the world's economy. At the end of the day, the economy is suffering because businesses and governments and schools to some extent or another uh, don't have business interruption insurance to the extent that they need it. Now, I'm not saying that there should be or shouldn't be coverage, but there's an opportunity here to solve the problem within the insurance industry, maybe with, maybe without the government's help, uh, and maybe prevent this from happening again. We can avoid a 25% or 30% unemployment rate with the right kind of insurance programs. Um, we have an opportunity in the insurance world to solve a societal problem if we can work constructively with the uh, governments of the world and build out the program instead of running away from the opportunity, which is what I think I see in many ways the industry has done. Um, yeah, it's a big risk, but it's also a big opportunity. Um, with that being said, I'm already working with and um, I think it's going to only gain momentum on providing private industry solutions to individual entities on a go forward basis, because the mechanisms already exist to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm following and, you. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're going to see the more sophisticated, um, more educated people in the industry, both at the carrier side and the distrib distribution side really work on providing these solutions in the event something like this happens again. And those solutions are probably going to be available to clients by the end of 2020 without any problem. What I'm hearing there is something I never really thought about, Chris, how profound, but yet how simple. It's what we do in life is we solve the world's problems with insurance products right by game, by transferring that risk we're we're, yes. we're able to we're able to um foresee things that possibly could happen and when it does we're going to share in that risk so you literally said that we could fix a pandemic or a crisis or whatever could happen that's causing the unemployment that these are factors that can be prepared for and be prepared for with insurance products that's correct just not simple B I and E E, but but simple but products. As if this happens again, this is how these people would be paid. This is how business would still function. Um, hmm, that takes B I and E E to like three levels deeper, right? It's just not so much you just lose your ordinary payroll or whatever you know your normal income. It's now we're going deeper to say what are those other things? I really have never thought about that. I think as an industry we are running away from this B I E E conversation. And that is a total, um, that was a breath of fresh air from you right there, Chris, to hear you say that, because I think if we change our mindset and we look at this as a societal problem and say, how do we solve this, right? We had people 
who were passing away and dying and leaving their family with debt and all kinds of taxes that needed to pay. And the insurance world stepped up and said, hey, you know what? I think we can actuarially ensure that when this person dies, we have a product that they could pay for a lot of those issues or taking care of the family, right? Like, the, yeah. like an insurance product took care of death. Right, exactly. Yeah, and you may need a backstop from mm -hmm. uh, governments and all that, but that this is a business income problem at the end of the day. The vast majority of what the economies of the developed world are going through is nothing more than a business income problem. There's some event cancellation. There's going to be some DNO. There's going to be some work comp. Um, but And there's going to be some life insurance issues for sure. But um, in, in real reality, the life insurance actuarial table should have addressed this. The bigger issue there is probably on the investment side. Mm -hmm. But this is a we have the mechanisms to deal with business income claims. We have the claims adjusters. We have the processes. We have the procedures. And yet um, we're kind of running away from it my, from what I see. And, and not that we should offer coverage where coverage doesn't exist. Correct. Right. That's not what you're saying. But that's not what I'm saying. Because what you're saying is, is we shouldn't be paying coverage where coverage doesn't exist. But next time we have products that we can prepare for where that product doesn't exist or that coverage doesn't exist and we can get that fixed. We, we just have to be prepared with that. That's right. We And we can't run away from that. I'm going to help you sing that message. I'm going to help you tweet that song because I really do truly believe that what you're saying here, I think is something that I've heard no one out there talk about. And that is, you are right. The whole world is dealing with it. This is a business income issue. And I, Chris, I believe I, emphatically, and here's why I think that America, we lead the world, but we should be leaders in this because I think that our, besides other parts of Europe and Asia and stuff, our uh, capitalistic society makes it uh, private industry, specifically insurance, able to thrive, right? It, it, it allows it to be the best in the world. So we should be able to capitalize on that business income. And I think if we lead correctly as a country, we could actually apply products to the entire world that we then could, um, in the event of something like this, we could be able to help the, the entire world because we're helping each other anyways. But why not collect a premium in the meantime? Sorry, but that's just the way that I'm thinking about it and preparing for it next time. I don't think a lot of people are talking that way. Maybe people up in the higher higher echelons of of uh, you know of of government or or insurance age our companies, and maybe you're hearing some of that. That's the reason why I brought you on. That's a great perspective. Great perspective. Really, really good. Let's talk about something real quick. Real quick. Just get your personal opinion. Doesn't matter. Doesn't for the record. But uh, do you think? Well, not me. I don't think. I don't think BI or EE should be paid because of the circumstance, do you think it will end up, do you think the insurance companies will be pressured into paying? And if not, how do you think they may step up? Um, that's a great question. I know um, it is. <laughs> I, I, the pressure that they must be under to pay is, is pretty intense. Um, you know, in one sense or another, what I think is going to occur is, is that I think there's going to be such a deluge of, of lawsuits that at some point in time, the carriers may or may not be able to even have the, enough adjusters address them all in a timely fashion. And so there's, they're going to have, there's going to be some pressure just to pay to get rid of the suits, right, wrong, mm -hmm. and different. 
I think that might be where you see it. Um, without the backstop from a government, I don't, the claims are just so far off the charts and the premiums aren't there that I don't see how that they could pay for it. Um, it's just, the scope is just, the scale is just off the charts. Um, so I think that's going to be the catch. If they will, I think that one of the most interesting proposals I've seen is from uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. J.P. Morgan Chase, I don't know if you saw it, but they no, I haven't. They, they made an offer to adjust and pay all the business income claims with the government providing a backstop. Right. Right? And it's like, well, if J.P. Morgan Chase, a bank, can step up, it seems like insurance companies might want to get the goodwill that that offer generates mm -hmm. and um, there's a reputational issue here for the industry mm -hmm. right yes there is this is a way to solve the problem for everybody in, in many different ways um, maybe we've already passed the time where that offer could have been made but um, that would be a that'd be a good way of addressing it from my perspective Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Yeah, no, if they came through with something, if they came through and I and I'm and I'm not for them paying the coverage without it being because I think there's also another side to it, Chris, that you don't hear a lot of people talk about, but I've heard talk about is very true. It's how many of those policies out there don't have business income. That's the issue for the insurance agent specifically, because whenever all of a sudden they come through and say, hey, we've decided we're going to pay these BIEE claims with the federal backstop, which my um I only have one source that's telling it. I asked another source who I think would know, and they said they hadn't heard it. But what I am hearing is that the NAIC, um, some of the main CEOs are in talks with the government about saying, okay, on an effort of goodwill, we're going to pay this, but there's going to be a backstop. And the backstop can be can be way far back next time, but right now it can't be, it can't be very far back. I mean, we never collected these dang premiums in this. I think it's a great opportunity for that to, for that to happen. At the, at the same time, um, the agent that a lot of pocket commercial package policies, a lot of these BOPs all have the business income in it. And I think that that's where insurance companies, I wonder how that's going to change coverage in that, Chris. How many, they were just giving away business income like it was going out of style. But if the government forces them to now start picking up exposures, that is very, very hard for them to actually be, actually be sound. I wonder if all of a sudden you start seeing them not giving that away anymore. Um, back when we were selling commercial package policies in early 2000s, mid 2000s, when I first got in, there was hardly any bops. And I mean, in business income, extra expense is something I would separate, use to separate myself from the other agent. Now it's given away. But I wonder how many of those commercial package policies for other agents didn't mention business income. And when it gets paid, think about those phone calls that the agent's going to get. That's going to be crazy. So, um, so I, I found a quote from Chubb from 1995. 
that said, um, one of the problems with business income is agents don't know how to sell it. They don't understand it. They don't under, know the coverages, what have you. Um, I have a separate company mm -hmm. that specializes oh, yeah. in uh, coverage education. And next to cyber, the coverage that agents have the most difficulty understanding, and I would argue, based on our experience teaching classes, mm -hmm. the coverage in which agents have the least knowledge is business income. I can see that. I can they, see that. Yeah. So I think your point is really important from an E&O perspective is mm -hmm. did the agent offer the right business income package? Um, and it's not just the worksheet, right? We get a lot of people that say ALS, we'll just do ALS on everything. But ALS is clearly not the right answer for everything. Correct. Also, if the agent didn't know what he was selling, did he sell it a what kind of a deductible? Did he pay it out a third, third, third? Did he pay it out 50%, 80%? All that stuff now, which is kind of like, oh, yeah, as long as you had it, something. No, that could become real. So right. it, 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 there, there's a lot of issues if they go that way. I do love the goodwill. I do like that. But I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm innocent of this. We probably got some co package policies that don't have BI and EE in it. Um, I, I know our larger clients do not, but uh, can't really say that those middle, a lot of our small um, clients, small business clients, they're all, all, literally all on bops. So most of them have it. Um, but then again, we also have to explore the language. Have we really ever looked at the language of some of these BI and EE forms? Um, we used to, whenever we had to add them by endorsement, you know, and you would see them in the commercial package policy. Now you really don't even really see it anymore because no one reads a BOP policy or make sure all the endorsements are in there actually to read those endorsements. I'm assuming that they're the same, but at the end of the day, um, I learned just the other day that one of the directors and officers coverages that I sell for one of my companies for nonprofits, I had another uh, rep come in and said, I know you sell a lot of them, but let me read your their form versus mine. Blew my mind. I was like, holy cow, like this other company, I'm not going to mention any names. They're leaving something out. I immediately got on the phone with their underwriter saying, hey, we're going to have an issue here if this is the way that this reads. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't think they're going to change. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there's those type of things. It makes you makes you kind of wonder you know, about what, how, what those forms read. Cause everything's just thrown into a bop now. You know? Yeah. It's a good question. So when we teach the classes, especially on the BI classes, we actually cause all of our clients and students to read the forms that they're selling and read multiple forms. That. That they're selling. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then we do a compare and contrast exercise and the, it isn't all the same. Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, I, it's not a lot the same. Yeah. Um, you know, umbrellas are the same way. Follow yep. forms, you know, yeah. XS. And I mean, dude, it's, it gets deep out there and it really does. And I think that's what scares a lot of people out of commercial insurance. But at the end of the day, I've never let that. I just I just educate myself, do the best I can, make sure I got good, you know, with a low deductible in this role. You know, that's just the best you can do out there in the world is educate yourself and try to help others. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Anything else you want to? Anything else you want to put to this? Uh, to this? Uh, this is episode six. This is the last one. People have been going through this whole thing. I think they feel res more refreshed. I hope as leaders we were able to help them lead their people. I mean, anything you want to just kind of bow it up and say out there, Chris? That maybe something you were going to say, maybe you didn't. Sure, a couple things. Um, number one, education is truly understanding what it is you're selling. 
It's a great opportunity. Customers are going to pay attention to it for the next 24 months. It's a great opportunity to do the, just do the right thing. If you know what you're selling, you're, you can do the right thing by your clients so much more effectively. Uh, and my clients that are, that I would argue are the most knowledgeable are probably outselling everybody else three to one at this point. So best, one of the best sales tools in the world is to actually know what it is you're selling. Just kind of weird how it works that way. It's weird. If you want to teach math, you got to like no math. I mean, it's really weird, you know, it's the same way with insurance. You, Yeah, that, that really truly is. Um, do you think people are out there selling right now? And if they I, are, are they doing yeah. it differently? I have clients that are definitely out there selling. They're they're doing quite well right now, in fact. Like like certain certain needs like cyber and other things specific or just everything. Just keep everything. it on going like nothing happened. Wow. Yeah, yes. everything. I mean, it's it's kind of a weird deal, but when you've built a reputation for yourself of really truly deep coverage mm. knowledge in a time like this, and people are scared to death that they do or don't have coverage. Um, they are willing to listen and they are willing to switch agents a lot faster right this moment as a result of that. So, yeah, I've got clients Didn't that think of it from that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a, I got an email from a client who um, said uh, just one producer closed another million dollars in the last two weeks. It's like, it's, it's going it's now. Going. The, yeah, now there's a capricious aspect to this, and that part is one we can't really control for the time being. And that is, is that some agents out there, and I, my heart goes out to them, is is that they have specialized one way or another in some uh, niches that are hurt the worst. You know, if you're specializing in restaurants or hospitality, um, things, hospitality, man, alive. I don't know. Mm what exactly the solution is for the moment. And that's a 12 month repercussion, right? Because the audit's going to come. And so all these expectations of, oh yeah, we're going to have 10 million in sales or this much in payroll and that audit's going to come. So agents are hurting now possibly, and then it's going to hit them again when that audit comes and they get chargebacks. Right. So that's another reason for going back to the beginning. That's another reason for having a strong balance sheet. Mm. Damn right. Shit. That's a truth point. Yeah. Hmm. Whew. There's a lot of lessons, a lot of lessons I'm learning as a business owner, Chris, a lot of lessons that I think, I think everybody is we've, no one's ever been through this, but, um, one of the things I think that's pretty profound, um, my buddy Nicholas Ayers said it and he was, he was, he was, um, he's kind of a smart butt on Facebook, but, but he, he, he has very high education. And so he speaks when he speaks, uh, to be funny, He's still very educating, but he made a very good point. And it was a long post about folks. We've only been sheltered for two to three weeks and our economy has collapsed. We, we don't know we're losing our minds. I mean, this is a worldwide issue, but he made a good point. He said, what would we do if something took us down for eight, 12, 16 months? I mean, we, we wouldn't, be able, you know, my brother-in-law, Chris, he, he, he has 179 guns, you know, and I tell him all the time, I say, Tommy, why do you have all these guns, dude? You don't need to have all these guns. He's like, yes, you never know what's going to happen. Well, I'm telling you what, after seeing what's happened for two to three weeks, you put us out for eight, 12, 16 months, 
all of a sudden it may be smart to have 179 guns, you know, because that's where I'm probably going to head is to Tommy's house. You know, I mean, it gets right. to the point where it's like, dude, um, it's a really, really good point. And I think you said something that can prevent that. That's how profound I think it was. And, and that is that this is an, that this is, you said, this is a, this is a BIEE opportunity and, and we need to solve the world's problems with insurance products. We always have. Right. This is another opportunity for us to do that. It really is. It truly is. It's a fantastic opportunity to help the world, help ourselves in a very, you know, capitalistic. It's why capitalism works when we come together. Yes. So, hey, I've got one other thing to just send out Please. to everybody real quickly. Yep. And that is, is that if you're in a state where the insurance commissioner, Department of Insurance has allowed people to postpone payments for two months or three months or whatever it is. Identify, work with your companies to find out what that means um, relative to um, what you have to do on agency bill business. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Any certain reason you're just trying to get that out there as awareness? Just get that out there as awareness because if you're not, if you're, it's agency bill, that means the agency probably can't cancel the policy any more than the company could. Uh, And yet you may not get paid. And so are you then still on the hook? How is that all going to work? And I don't know that the carriers have everything figured out on that yet, but there's a lot of money for agencies that have a lot of agency build business and, um, on the, on the line there. And, um, you know, you want to avoid becoming the bank. Dude, thank you very much for that. Th- that's why. That's why I love you, Chris. You 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 think about stuff outside the box. You know what I mean? It's. Uh, I'm telling you, if you and I ever like sat down and 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 had a had a cold, refreshing beverage uh, around a fire um, where it's not real hot, and we sit out there all night, I think you and I would sit out there. We could probably create the products that would fix the world, Chris. I think that's what <laughs> we could do. Buddy. That's what we could do. We could do. Chris, I appreciate you coming on, man. I really, really do. Um, thanks for thanks for thanks for helping us. Thanks for giving us this insight and uh, uh, a fabulous podcast. Very positive, and uh, it's, uh, I expected nothing except that. So I appreciate it very much, Chris. Great, thanks. Have a good Thank day you. and stay safe. Yeah, stay safe, stay healthy to everybody out there. This is going to wrap up the COVID special episode. Now, keep in mind what I'm doing is I'm turning this into an ebook that will be available next Wednesday. No marketing, no ads, no, I'm not even going to ask for your email to get it. My marketing friends are saying, Cass, you're giving away a gold mine. No, I'm not. I'm giving away information as fast as I possibly can. I want to get it packaged up and immediately out the door because there's people who don't listen to podcasts. And there's people who need to hear the fantastic things that Jeff Roy said, Eric Garcia, Wesley Anderson, Alicia Cavanaugh, Aaron Nutting, Miles Merwin, and now the one, the only, the myth, the legend. He's here. He's not a myth. He's a legend, though, Mr. Chris Baran. This has been Agency Intelligence Podcast, where you know we do give you real agents inside real agencies, giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that they try to make you believe. This has been Jason Cass. <laughs> And that was Chris Baran, and we are out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. 
really. We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, at Virtual Intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? CAS certified.